Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning, and we're talking about four more teams in the NFL. We're going division by division, getting you guys ready for the 2019 season. We were talking about a lot of college football stuff over the last couple of months doing our summer scouting series. If you missed any of that, obviously you guys can go back and listen to any of the episodes. We go through every single position. We talked about guys that we really liked. Um, so guys that intrigued us that were under the radar, and it was just very much a college focus. But as Ben and I talked about on yesterday's podcast, I know it's preseason, but when those first preseason games kind of came around, boy, it just seems like NFL news has flooded the timeline, and the talk is just all about the NFL right now. Seems like that's what you guys are really into. So we're going to keep that conversation going. Yesterday, we Ben, did we, did we decide whether or not the NFC East was near and dear to your heart, or was it not? Well, I just like it's 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 a love hate relationship. It's on again, off again. It's fiery and it's passionate when that's it's good the, and when yeah. it's bad. See, you know, that's yeah. sometimes sometimes it would make love... a really good TV show. Me and the NFC East, <laughs> that's a... our romance. <laughs> that's actually a good uh, a good show title too. Me and the NFC East. Me and the NFC East. You know, wow. Let's make a trailer. Okay, so uh, look, get Rob on the phone. We're gonna have the graphics Listen, department on this tomorrow morning <laughs> with all of our free time. For sure. So chilling so much in this month of August. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, yesterday on yesterday's podcast when we were doing the NFC East, we went back and forth and talked quite a bit of whether or not Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is worth the $30 million yeah. a year deal. And you know what, Ben? It turns out Prescott does not think he's worth $30 million because he thinks he's worth $40 million reportedly, a year. Reportedly. And I was getting a little bit of like, because I, 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 I posted a screenshot of Dak Prescott from Jen Slater NFL, I believe, for the initial report. Yes. Um, and 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 so uh, the report was that he he's seeking a deal in the forty million per year range, which would be a lot. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, uh, um, I like that's just one report. So I posted a, a screenshot of that. And I posted a screenshot of like Joel Embiid, this like meme that Sixers were using a lot of him just saying like LMAO. But anyway. Um, and like I got a lot so, of flack for it. Like, you oh, know what the- negotiations. Oh, it's just report. This is how it works. Ho- like, yeah, keep going. I get it. Y'all got to take things less seriously. It's August 11th, and obviously Prescott's not going to make 40 million. I'm just here trying to get jokes off. Y'all need to calm down. The the best meme that I saw from the other day when the Prescott news is coming out was that Eagles fans had started to go fund me to get Dak Prescott to 40 million dollars a year. That was the best. That was the listen, best meme that I saw. Listen. It, and here, but here's the here's the issue. Yes, is that if if it's gonna if that has any run to it, if that's got any legit, where like Prescott really wants to be like a top paid quarterback in the league, Cowboys gonna franchise tag him, right? Have to. I mean, that's Have easy. To. Have that's to. That's easy. No reason so, not to. We'll figure it out. All right, we're not talking about the Cowboys today, and in fact, we got to be a little bit quicker on the podcast today because it was so Focus. long the other day. Yeah, we got to get laser focused here. We are a very serious, focused, planned, organized podcast we've never steered away from the path ever and we're not going to start now today we're talking about the nfc west i pulled that out of a magical hat maybe it wasn't magical i don't know i just picked the nfc west because i want to keep you guys on your toes like i said i'm not giving you the, the things in order so we're doing nfc west today los angeles rams san francisco 49ers arizona cardinals and the seattle seahawks ben tell me the team that you were most intrigued with 
in this division going into 2019? Arizona? Okay, that's fine. All right, let's start talking about Arizona at the very top. Here's the the thing about Arizona. I don't think they're going to be good. I don't. I do think think they're going to randomly win a couple of good games against good teams. I would agree with you. There's, 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 there is a real like you know universe in which like you know the Browns are like nine and five fighting for a you know like a, a, a fourth seed, third seed in the AFC, and they get the Cardinals in week fifteen, and they're like not paying attention. The Cardinals just run them up. Like the Cardinals are going to be able to get teams into shootouts, and then in shootouts, weird stuff happens. Like this is a very you know, like, like it's not like basketball where there's like a ton of scoring and like you know, they, they you know, they, you can exchange things like a, a touchdown is seven points. It's a lot. And so there's there's uh, there's chaos that's going to be built into playing the Cardinals. And simply like if you don't have a deep secondary, and a lot of teams' defenses are predicated on the pass rush, and there's a very distinct reason I did not say pass rush. If you don't have a deep secondary, right. Cardinals can be able to pour points on you, yeah. especially yeah. later in the year where they figure out what they've got in terms of young wide receivers. I mean, this this team is incredibly deep at wide receiver. And then obviously I mean, get Kyler Murray yeah. uh, accustomed to NFL speed over the course of a few games. Now, this is conditional on the young man staying upright, healthy, and, mm-hmm. and, and translating, which mm-hmm. uh, even in my most – optimistic projections of Murray. He's a guy that I think will be better in year two than he will be in year one. Of course, now that I, like, if you asked me what's the best chance of him being good in year one, I would have said, oh, he's playing for Cliff Kingsbury or, you know, Lincoln Riley. Like, in the NFL, that's what he's got. So, tremendous, you know, situation, landing spot for him, and that's part of why the, the head coach hire was made and the pick was made. But as Murray, you know, gets his sea legs under him, that back half of, of the, the, the year, the back, the back stretch, the back eight games of the season, this team can be able to pour points on you as long as they're able to protect. And then, you know, the defense probably not going to be good, but it can fly around. I mean, they've got some really speedy sideline to sideline players. You got Chandler Jones, Hassan Reddick, you got Byron Murphy you just drafted. You obviously still have Pat Pete, Buda Baker, Deontay Thompson. It's mm-hmm. a fast defense. So I don't know, maybe you'll be able to generate some turnovers, get some splash plays. I think Arizona is just going to be like very inconvenient to play. It's going to be very that's similar a to Chip really Kelly's first year. That's a really good way to put yeah. it. Because I'm not even yeah, sure how much to Kelly's first year. I'm not right? even like, sure how much I believe in like Cliff Kingsbury, but I know that right. Kyler Murray's good. Like I think Kyler Murray's a really damn good football player. And I know that Cliff is going to design an offense that's going to allow Kyler to shine. Now, whether that's something that's sustainable in a full-field game plan level to where you're complementing offense and defense well enough to win a lot of football games, that is yet to be seen. But like you said, this team and the way that they are designed, even though maybe some of the better teams in the NFL might be able to neutralize, especially, I'll say this, especially the better coaches, I think have a really good chance to neutralize this Arizona Cardinals team and take apart its weaknesses, especially on that interior offensive line. I mean, you, you talked about Kyler Murray keeping them upright. Jared Sweezy, Cole Mason, and Justin Pugh. I mean, like, and maybe Mason Cole, sorry. I mean, like, that ain't it. You know, like, that's not it to me. And so when you're weak uh, in the Lamar interior. Lamar Ballard is going to start for this team at center. He was drafted in the sixth round, and that was the first offensive lineman they took in this draft, which was by all Not great. Gross negligence. Not great. But I think to your point, they're going to give bad teams some fits because of the way that they're set up. They're just going to score on you. They're just going to try and run up the points. They're going to try to control the clock the way that they want to. Not control the clock. I'll say control the pace. They're going to go at the pace that they want to. I think Kyler gives them the ability to do that against almost any team. I think the good teams are going to outthink them and outscheme them, beat them most of the time. 
but they're sneaky. And I, I like the word that you use there, annoying. That's what I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be. In, oh, yeah, inconvenient. I'll say annoying. You say inconvenient, I'll say annoying. They're right. kind of sort of the same thing. But that's what I think of the Arizona Cardinals. They're a really interesting roster with a lot of names to like. I think there's certainly pieces that are cornerstone guys going towards the future, but they're a, a, sort of a mix between young and old regime. We're going to get a lot more towards that young regime over the le- next couple of years, especially if Cliff can stick around. But, you know, I, I, I when I was watching Kyler Murray the other day, I'm like, man, this kid, it's so natural to see that this kid has it, that this kid's going to be good, and he has the talent to do what he wants, and I think it's going to be scoring a lot of points in his rookie year. I don't think there's going to be a lot of discipline around that. I'm not sure if it's going to be a full field team. And heck, I don't even know if scoring enough points is going to be enough to win a decent amount of games. But it's going to make things difficult for some teams that are not ready for the kind of offense that Cliff's about to unleash onto the NFL. Whether it wins football games a lot in 2019 or not, it will still be one that you have to game plan for a unique way. Good coaches, I think, will be able to do it. Bad coaches, this team can get the better of you. That's what I think. Yeah, and that was, yeah, that's, that's, um, like, you know, I was making the Chip Kelly comparison. Kelly comes in. It's a 4-12 and team. It's a total dumpster fire. Massive roster turnover. Installs the system that the NFL is just not used to defending. He goes 10-6. and But then they get, you know, they, they, they lose to the, the Saints in the playoffs, right? And the thing was, like, it was a good team, but it wasn't it wasn't a good team that was beating a lot of good teams. They were just, you know, like winning their, their schedule. Won a couple times in the playoffs. Cool. Once teams figured out the best way to prepare and it's not like prepare like oh like schematically wow they're running four verts we've never seen that before no it's more about like <laughs> the speed and like That's, getting in yes. the calls and yes. being conditioned like the later in the season you get the cardinals and the more tired your guys are the more again inconvenient they're going to be to play because of how fast they run their just their offense and so when i say prepare for the cardinals it's a lot more about the communication and the mental speed than it is yep. about you know, like, I don't know what a bubble screen looks like. Like, they do, you know, and there's ways to defend it. And so, no, they're, they're not reinventing yeah. the wheel. But exactly. I think the, like, I think the way they'll the go philosophy. about it. We are on the same page there. All right, give me a rookie. Yeah. Who's who's a rookie from Arizona that you really like? Right. Uh, so, it's, it, like I said, so there's three draft picks at wide receiver. Andy Isabella in the second round. Hakeem Butler in the fourth round. Keyshawn Johnson in the sixth. Isabella is is the, the, the pick that a lot of people are excited to see. But, man... I thought Akeem Butler was a gosh darn good player coming out. Butler was Wide a receiver of the too first for me. Grade for me mm-hmm. ends up going in the in, in the top of the fourth. Butler, uh, a slot player in 2017, an out wide player in, in 2018. Prettiest routes, no, you know, cleanest breaks, absolutely not. But he's <laughs> six six and he can touch the roof of the stadium when he jumps. Absolutely fantastic body control and physical presence up in the air. Butler is a at this stage in his career. He's more than a trust ball player. He really is. But he, he he can be a trust ball player. He can be a 50-50 ball player. And the thing is, you know, obviously like Larry Fitzgerald, he has, you know, he's going to be a, a good player for Murray. But as Murray grows with the young players, I think when you look at early, Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, and Butler, who is he going to start trusting soonest, trusting first? To me, it's Butler. Because Butler's going to be an inaccuracy eraser, and he's going to make plays for Murray yeah. when Murray's in panic mode. Throw it up to him. Let Butler do some work. So I can see Butler just – Get immediately getting that that rapport with Murray, well, whereas it might take longer for some of these other receivers. Sure, I hope so, man. I th- Butler was great, yeah. you know, un- unless there was really agreed some on Butler the same way we agreed on our single white side. Man, I, I, unless there was really some off the field stuff with Butler, I, I just—I mean, like he's a bit 
He's he's very impressed with himself, I and mean, I know that that rubs yeah, some people way, but, yeah some people don't love overly confident dudes. Right, but, but the thing is, like, a lot of good receivers are also too impressed with. Themselves. I just can't Me, believe that that's trait. all we're coming up yeah. with with this guy for him to fall to the fourth round. I mean, come on, he played inside, he played outside. He's he's a tall receiver. He does things after the catch. He's determined. He's great at what I mean. I, he was great. I, I, I liked Hakeem Butler a lot. I thought it was crazy that he was to the end of the or the beginning of the fourth round. Speaking of guys that I liked a lot, I think Byron Murphy's got a much better chance to play this year. But I'm going to say Deontay Thompson because when I look at the two safeties that are playing here right now for for this Cardinals defense, you got DJ Swearinger and you've got Buda Baker. I think Buda Baker can be a much better guy if you let him keep his eyes in the backfield, eyes on the quarterback, maybe in a little bit more of like a strong safety role. And if they had a guy who was more of a single high player say like a Deontay Thompson and the the flashes that I saw from him at Alabama, that really allows you to play aggressive on the outsides, allow Buda Baker to be like truly an X-factor kind of rover, defender, whatever you want to call it. And you get the most out of him being both a corner prototype as well as a guy who could tackle well, make up a lot of ground, play good in coverage. Like I was saying before, reading the quarterback size, I like Buda in that role a lot. I'm not sure how much he's going to get with Swearinger next to him. So... I would love to see Deontay Thompson really step up. I'm not sure it happens, though. I was really disappointed as we went through the draft process just of how much his stock was falling and kind of how teams were like, yeah, you just don't have a lot of confidence in him to be that guy that you need a single high safety to be as a communicator, as almost like an alpha dog, as a guy. Cause I, so we saw the range. We saw some athleticism, but man, you got to have a lot of confidence. you got to be vocal. you got to be able to convince people that, hey, I can, co- I can cover the whole field if I need to. And I didn't yeah, get that vibe I, I was, from teams getting to Deontay Thompson. Right, I was higher on Deontay Thompson than anybody else on staff. What it comes down to is, yeah, like when you're evaluating the kid on paper, you're like, oh, man, I wish he could tackle better. I wish he was more physical. All of a sudden he goes in the fifth round, and when he's got you know four pass breakups and two interceptions in his rookie season playing single high, ain't nobody going to care too much about you know the the, 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 the occasional missed tackle. I hope, man. You know, down play you when you got ball skills and when you got range you can play center field for me i'm willing to overlook a lot of i hope they give him that chance dude i just hope they give him the chance i don't know it's if they're going thick, to here's the thing it's a thick safety room and there's something i when they drafted jalen thompson they said like they have incredible safety yeah. in arizona yeah. but buda baker plays almost exclusively nickel and dj swearinger plays in the box and so thompson has a very clear way that's what i'm saying field in quote-unquote nickel sets where really he's going to be the starting deep safety because they want Buddha up in the slot. Hope they give it to him. All right, next team. What do you want? What do you want? Well, you always do this to me. I, you yeah. said that you don't have control over Fan Friday, so I'm trying to get you involved in the show in the week. Oh, wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. Though, I think that was more of a joke, but that was in the pre-show anyway. I know. Uh, let's kidding. talk Seattle because right. I have something right. I need to say about Seattle right off the top. In, like, February and March, you know, like, pre-free agency, mm-hmm. uh, I should say pre-Frank Clark trade, I was like, listen, I think Seattle can go toe-to-toe with Los Angeles. I think Seattle's a sneaky team to win the NFC West. I think Seattle's a sneaky, really good playoff team in the NFC. And then Seattle was like, hey, what if we traded Frank Clark? Jerron Reed got suspended for six games. Um, who else? They lost somebody else. Uh, um there's another pass rusher who they had. Oh, uh, LJ Collier's got an injury. He may not be ready for week one. Okay. Right? They just had, like, the, the entire pass rush just went out the window. And mm. it was already not – it was already, like, a weaker part of their game to begin with. And then pretty much the moment I was like, hey, I might 
stand on Seattle Hill, Seattle was like, hey, our defense is going to get measurably worse. And I was yeah. Like, right, cool. Good talk. This is not um, the same kind of personnel you're used to seeing from a Seattle defense. Right. Which I'm still there on Puna Ford. It's funny because, like, I say that about the pass rush, but then they've got Cassius Marsh and Ziggy Onsler, who are two players who I've always liked more than the consensus. So, like, I'm, like, low-key kind of into it. Um, they, they, they're hoping to make Rasheem Green a thing. Good luck. Have a good time. <laughs> like, Nazir Jones, Alex, it's not terrible. It's just not good, right? And so... If they're starting Barkevious Mingo, it's not great. Right. They're, they're, they're like, listen, we found the solution. We're just going to move Barkevious Mingo back to full-time. Oh, and of like, course. There it is. Talking. Why didn't they tell the Colts? Oh, you hate to see it. Um, yeah, and but the problem is this. This linebacker room is tremendous. The Cody Barton pick looks great, and I will claim that pick till I die. Um, the, the secondary, I think, still... I'm not sold on Steel Griffin and Trey Flowers who are starting outside corners, but in terms of the versatility that they have in the safety room slash nickel room, I mean, when you have Bradley McDougal, Delano Hill, Marquise Blair, uh, Uwachupo Amadi, like there's, a, you know, Trey Flowers kind of half and half. They've got such good players in the, the defensive backfield, not at traditional corner, that like Tedrick Thompson might get caught. Tedrick Thompson should be rostered. He's not great, but he should be rostered by most teams. So, there's there's still strength in the back seven, and then, I mean, there's there's there seems to be no insurmountable wall for Russell Wilson in terms of offensive personnel ideology. Like what Wilson has done in terms of generating scoring output when like Tom Cable was offensive line coach for four years with Brian Brian Schottenheimer, the only team who ran the ball more than passed the ball in the league. Like I mean, Wilson's just uh, I I don't think we know how good Wilson is, and like there's something I say like year after year after year. I've been a proponent of Russell Wilson winning MVP like pretty much every season since oh. 2016. In the because, in the in the spirit of the award, yes. Right, he's been the most valuable. Most player, right? valuable player is Russell Wilson. Right, and now it'll be interesting to see what life is like after Doug Baldwin. This receiver room suddenly looks very much so like, hey. Uh, Wilson's going to average 15 air yards a game. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we ain't come to throw slants, brother. Nine balls. You know, and that's the, the, you got Tiger Lock, you got DK Metcalf, you got Jerron Brown, Jerome you got Gary Brown, Jennings. Yeah. Like, that's what this look, you know, that, that, that's how this receiving core is built. So I think it's going to be a lot of ground and pounds, and they're going to continue to run the ball. They're going to continue to have three and outs and dead drives and, and, and dead halves, and it's going to be frustrating. But this team in terms of explosive passing plays probably gonna be tops in the league when you get play action when you get Wilson out of the pocket when you get these targets downfield so very interested like the offense can look super unique it's not going to be like most nfl offenses and i would love to tell you that because it's not going to look like the traditional nfl offense is going to be ineffective but they've got number three at quarterback and yep. i'm not going to bet yep. against him until he shows me to otherwise he's a miracle worker uh russell willis watching watching russell wilson make things happen for seattle is is one of my favorite things and for him to now get to be paired with my wide receiver one dk metcalf uh, that's it's it's my wide receiver one dk metcalf it's gonna be great um well, you know, I think he was. Was he consensus? Was he the whole staff wide receiver one? Oh, absolutely! If somebody on staff had not had him one, they would have been fired. <laughs> <laughs> With good reason. So, I mean, we're already reading some great stuff in chemistry between Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. But I think you're right. They're they're clearly just going to be a team that's going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball with a running back room that's kind of weird. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. Um, J.D. McKissick, C.J. Procise, Travis Homer now. I mean, like, these are all running backs that are on the team, and, like, I don't even know, 
I don't even know how it's going to shape up. I mean, I still think Chris Carson is going to be the guy, but I don't know really how it's going to shape up with any kind of timeshare after that because Seattle does a lot of things that are against the grain. They don't always do things in, in ways that I think that they're they're going to, and that's kind of what made them great in years past. But you just you wonder at what point does this all catch up to them? At what point uh, is in Russell? The 2018 divisional round against the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, but you're talking about a playoff run. I'm right, talking about a point. team that's barely even. I, I would even say 500 without Russell Wilson's heroics. At oh, what no. point no, no, no. does this? Does at what point does this all catch up to them to where Russell right. Wilson really and, is not enough? And that's the thing is like. If we talk about, you know, you say, like, all right, Russell Wilson with a replacement-level quarterback. And, and, you know, you hear that. And you're like, oh, well, they'd probably still be fine. No, I'm talking about, like, if you took Russell Wilson out and put in, like, to me, a replacement-level quarterback is, like, Mitchell Trubisky. If you put Trubisky in Seattle, this team's 5-11. and 11. I was going to say 6-10, and 10, but, yeah, I mean, same, same. This is right. This, this, is the, this, is the, this is the thing. It, it's Wilson- Extending plays, occasionally taking bad sacks and being an idiot, mm-hmm. throwing deep sixteen percent of the time, third most in the league, and uh, uh, the, the the ability of the receivers then to finish big plays with extra yards after the catch. Which you know, because we talk about Metcalf, oh he can't turn a corner. Yeah, but tackling him is an absolute freaking nightmare. He's two twenty three at at a four three speed. Nobody wants to stop that. And so, so I like. I like. I think when again, like I think this team is gonna put up, you know, three points in six drives, and all of a sudden twenty-one in the next three, and that's how this is gonna go. And it's gonna be an absolute roller coaster to watch them. They're gonna have absolute dud games against bad teams, and they're gonna lose one to the Cardinals, we just talked about, and then they're gonna, you know, go toe to toe with the Rams in both games, like they always do. It's gonna be very peculiar. Rookie, really quick, who is it? <sighs> John Arsua. Wide receiver out of Hawaii. They traded back into the seventh round for him, which, mm-hmm. you know, the Seattle Seahawks really trade up into things, but they traded back into the seventh for him. He has an angle on their starting slot job, and he is a good route runner. I mean, it would be obvious either of us could have picked DK Metcalf to choose this, but I won't pick Metcalf either because we've talked about him plenty over the last six or seven months. I'm a big Ugo Amati fan. I, I really like the Sir. potential of what he could do as a, as a nickel guy, as a safety hybrid, as a player who could play man-up zone. He seems smart. He seems physical. He's got good ball skills. Really like his fit in being with the Seattle defense. And so I think that he's going to have every chance right away to contribute in a secondary that, like you said, and just in a defense in general that's changing their identity. They're not what they used to be. They're going to need guys to step up. They're going to need faces of this defense. I think Ugo's got a chance to really get some good playing time and make an impact early on in his career. San Francisco. We'll do San Francisco next. All on Jimmy G, right? I mean, just like, please stay healthy. I'm so tired of talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. I just want to see it happen. It'd be nice to just know what he is. Right? I just want to see it happen, man. I think Dante Pettis is a fantastic wide receiver. I think that could be a really great connection that he has there. Trent Taylor, Marquise Goodwin, obviously George Kittle, and the emergences he's had as what Ben would say is the best tight end in the NFL, right? Yeah. All right. You're good. I remember. I remember just yeah. just making sure. Just making sure. Just making sure you weren't backing down on that take since we did that when we went over, I think it was tight end week, right? We were doing the summer scouting series and we were going over tight end week. I think that's when you brought that up. Running back room's got a ton of different faces. Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Jarek McKinnon. 
they had a lot of money in that running back room. <laughs> I don't Wait, really. My, my favorite little like piece of random NFL trivia is like, all right, the top tier of running back contracts is Le'Veon Bell, is he, uh, uh, Todd Gurley, and David Johnson. Yes. And the next tier is Devonta Freeman, somebody else who I can't remember, and Jared McKinnon. It's, Jared McKinnon and Devonta Freeman make roughly the same amount of money per year. I, Jared I, McKinnon makes $8 million per year. I know for a f- I know for a fact that the Buccaneers were interested in Jarek McKinnon and they kind of wanted him last year. And the number that they saw him get, because they were initially in on the potential bidding war with, with McKinnon. And when that number hit what it ended up hitting for Jarek McKinnon, they were like, you are out of your mind. Like, what are you guys, you are betting against air right now. What are you doing? So in terms of, yeah. So in terms of second contract running backs, Devonta Freeman with 8.25 per year. McCoy with 8.0 per year. McKinnon with 7.5 million per year. Jarek McKinnon. Jarek, how many NFL fans do you think just don't know who Jarek McKinnon is? I know exactly who Jarek McKinnon is. Do you know why? Why? Because he played on the Georgia Southern team that beat Florida in the swamp without completing a single pass. Heroic. One of the strangest days as a football fan at the University of Florida that I will never, ever forget is what Jarek McKinnon and Georgia Southern did to Florida on our own field. That defense is looking, ooh, you know, they got, in, in theory, Ben, they got some names. I will believe when I see it. This team had two interceptions. In theory. They got D Ford now. They got Nick Bosa. They got DeForest Buckner. They got Arik Armstead. Fred Warner, I really like, is the mic. He really came along last year. They got Quan Alexander, which, look, man, as long as you have somebody else running next to Quan Alexander, I think it's fine. So then Richard Sherman, uh, way far over the hill. By the way, Richard Sherman's Madden rating is just absurdly high. I think it's like a 93 or something. It's stupid. Richard- I mean, so I've heard, like, you know, people are talking like, oh, like, he was just never healthy last year. And then... People say that's like okay, like, but he's healthy this year. And the thing is, he's a thirty-plus-year-old corner who was really unhealthy last year. Like, I'll believe he's back to full health when I see that. I mean, I think, I think, and and who's after playing a long career in the NFL? Who really is quote unquote back to full health? You know, like right. you could just use that excuse forever. So I'm not really into yeah. it. Secondary, like talk you talk about, I believe it was an Achilles for Sherman, like Achilles yes. man. Yes, that's not easy. Yeah, so you've got uh, you've got Richard Sherman. You've got a secondary that's that's really got to force some new takeaways this year. Jason Ferret's on this team, and he went through an MRI again, and my heart sank when I read that. But apparently, it's just an ankle sprain. Whew, my son. But it's an interesting. This defense is totally like I said at the beginning. It's it's an in theory defense. I think you got a lot of names. I think you got a lot of potential. You've got a lot of potential disruption up front. You got to start getting some takeaways. So that's kind of my overview of the roster. Usher and Ann Benner, what are your big storylines here with this team? Yeah, I talked about this a little bit uh, in the wake because I watched the Niners' first preseason game against the Cowboys. Interesting to follow. Uh, you know, Adebo Samuel had a huge double move, fantastic play. One of his patented, I'm 5'11, but I'm really good at contested catches. Explain this if you can situations. Uh, Jalen Hurd, three catches, two touchdowns, and, and, and you know, effective route running which you know oh we won your wide receiver you can't run routes no he's always been able to run routes it's just like you know situationally figuring out what is required or where which is just experience but you bring in uh, Debo 
second round pick 2019, Jalen Hurd, third round pick 2019, Dante Pettis, second round pick 2018, Trent Taylor, fifth round pick uh, 2017, Richie James, seventh round pick 2018, Jordan Matthews, free agent. Okay, if you can't get wide receiver production out of this, you've brought in six players over the last three years. I mean, you've got to, like, I get it. It's been Nick Mullins. I get it. It's been C.J. Beathard. If Garoppolo goes down, it's hard, but you got to be able to, to begin getting the same guys on the same field, you know, and get some chemistry, get some consistency in terms of positions. Obviously, having versatility and flexibility is nice, and that's why it's cool when I say, like, hey, Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Jordan Matthews, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. Let's say those are your starting five coming into week one. Who's lining up on the slide? Who's lining up outside? Because all those players can do either. Versatility. Yeah, and that's that's great. But they, you know, you you really need to have somebody identify themselves as like, oh wow, like this can be our go-to target on third downs. And Pettis flashed it, but he's not that. Goodwin is more than just a deep threat, but he's not a lot more than just a deep threat. You know, you like Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. Hurd is obviously a bit of a project. Debo Samuel projects better as a Z than an X. Like they've got to figure out this target distribution. And you have a guy like George Kittle. I it's, think they can. There's, there's a there's a mad scientist thing that has to happen here with Kyle Shanahan in terms of figuring out the ideal target distribution and who gets which targets where, who's deep, who's intermediate, so on and so forth. So that's a fascinating thing to me. The other thing that's going to be very interesting is if Nick Bosa loses time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like they 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 traded and then paid the forward for 1.25 really good seasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love for D Ford I would love to tell you right now I'm positive D Ford is a thing, but I'm not. Uh, and if Ford just even regresses back to the mean of his career, this pass rush, which supposedly improved a great deal, yeah, maybe didn't. And like even then, like you know, Bosa, second overall pick, first round guy, great. You need him to be a ten plus sack guy tomorrow, mm-hmm. and that's a t- that's a tall ask for even the best rookies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sold that this pass rush is better. I'm very like Fred Warner next to Quan Alexander will be fun, but I don't think that's the highest impact in terms of you know you've got a good linebacking core. Well, okay, if you can't get after the passer and you don't have guys who can man cover, like I got you, you know I'm I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm that's nice. You have good linebackers. That's fun for you. There's not much there. And so the Niners, like I, I was in on the Niners for 2018, um, and a lot conspired against them Coward. in terms of injury especially with Garoppolo. Coward. And I don't think anybody thought that defense was going to be as bad as they were. But uh, 2019, I'm just, I've am just i got to be more tepid now until I see this defense take multiple strides forward. Coward. Coward. He's just a coward. Yeah, what can I say? Jalen Hurd's my rookie guy. I really like everything that he could possibly be. I think that what he showed last year and really the first-time full-time role as a wide receiver, there's a lot to like. I really like Jalen Hurd. I'm going to be honest, when he was a running back at Tennessee, man, I just thought that dude ran so hard, so determined, was so difficult to bring down. Loved his determined style, and now he's bringing that to the wide receiver position. So was a big fan of the progression that he made and what he showed in his first year playing wide receiver with Baylor last year. Like him being in Kyle Shanahan's offense, especially because you, you, you called it right there. The make or break point of this offense for this season is whether they figure out how to truly organize a lot of players that can play in a lot of different positions. Because you don't want it to just be mush, right? Yeah, you don't want to just throw guys out there. So Hurd, Hurd yeah. is my guy because he think he's a big piece there. 
Yeah, for me, what if I told you they drafted a player who might be top down in his position tomorrow? I'd, I'd ask you, you know, do we, what I'm talking about? Mitchell Wisnowski. Mitch Wisnowski, baby. Australian punter out of Utah. <laughs> he was ripping them against Dallas. Shout out Joe Marino. Wanted to get some punter love on the podcast. I'm excited to see Mitch. You know what, what Michael Dixon was for Seattle last year? Mitch Wisnowski could be for the, uh, for the Niners this year. I don't have any comment about drafting a punter in the fourth round, but it happened, and so I'm going to hop on the train. Was the Los Angeles Rams year last year just them catching fire? How much of it's going to be fool's gold? Is it going to be fool's gold at all? Do you think that Jared Goff kind of... Regression. You think it's going to be big-time regression? I know you do. Yes. Let's hear why. Yes, I do. I'm not like... I'll be like, define big-time. This team was, what, 13-3 and last year? I think they're going to be 10-6 this year. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, so it's not terrible, but all, like, like, like defensive line-wise, and Dominican Sue is gone, Dante Fowler came in and was objectively better than all, all the other alternatives, but he's also not great. Like, like people treat Fowler like, and finally, Aaron Donald has a pass rusher next to him. No, he doesn't. He has Dante Fowler. Like, let's not be re- uh, unreasonable here. It's Fowler. He's acceptable. But, and, and, and again, better than anything else the Rams have coming off the edge. But I don't think he's that great of a player. Now you're you've got it's either Sebastian Joseph Day, Stroudsburg High Great, or Greg Gaines, uh, uh, opposite Donald, and it's Michael Brockers. I, there's there's not much going on in the front besides Donald, and then it's the it's the reduxes of the veterans. It's we're just trying, trying to reload with talent that's established every year on defense. We want our defense just to be enough to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think the McVay and, and less need to like listen we've got to invest you know young picks good picks in the defense it's like listen we just got to you know get a team out there of course you know Taylor Rapp in the second David Long in the third they've got players but you know it's we need a keep to leave to be good which he wasn't last year we need Marcus Peters to be good but he was up and down last year we need Eric Weddle to be good Weddle's still fine but again like Clay Matthews gets brought in like it's a lot of just you know we're, we're playing the greatest hits of some 30 plus defenders just trusting their instincts and trusting their established play and just saying, just get on the field, make some plays for us. We don't need much more than that. So this defense is not a high-impact defense. It's important to know. Like, people think, and Wade Phillips, Aaron Donald. Like, yeah. But, I mean, the delta between this defense and the Chiefs' defense last year, really not that huge. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of that. I don't think it's going to be big this year as well. Then you look offensively, and it's been well-documented. It's been talked about by a lot of people. But, I mean, when this team lost Sullivan and Saffold, and now they're, they're, they're starting Brian Allen, fourth-round pick, 2018 at center, and Joe Noteboom, a tackle out of TCU at left guard, third-round yeah. pick, 2018. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I'd love to tell you these two players are going to be good. I'm not sold, uh, and I have no reason to be. We've seen very limited film on them, and it has been great when they've been out there. Austin Blythe was brought in to be a backup, takes over the starting job last year, played well, Next, you know, Roger Saffold and John Sullivan and Rob Havenstein. Like, let's see what it looks like when he's got to be a, a bigger guy there. I'm not sold on Blythe being this, you know, top player on their line as well. So Whitworth and, and Havenstein are good. But who knows how much longer Whitworth is for, you know, playing in the National Football League. Like, he's 38. And the interior is not solid. So they draft Bobby Evans. They draft David Edwards. I mean, it, it's his offensive line is, is, is thin and it's got multiple new starters and mm-hmm. like let's not forget adjusted line yard uh, for football outsiders measuring how much a line matters to a running game rams have set a new record at 5.49 adjusted line 
nine yards, astronomical number. This offensive line was the bread and butter of the offense. It's what made it was grease, which made the engine go. Mm-hmm. It is a massive question mark coming into right. twenty nineteen, especially when you consider that man and like pressure affects quarterbacks differently. Yeah, it hurts Jared Goff. Yeah, I'm like I don't want to take a lot away from Goff. He's a good player. He's absolutely could run an NFL offense. He's a second contract guy. Like you know, it's it's fun doing thought experiments about potentially not playing him, not paying him because mm-hmm. you know Sean McVay you put any quarterback in there and McVay reads the defense for you. Whatever, Goff's a good player. But even his 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 strongest supporters will tell you that pressure is a huge 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 issue for him. And I mean, the interior of his offensive line just took a massive hit. So I I I'm not sold. Especially if Gurley's not healthy. There's just there's too many question marks here for me to say. Oh yeah, thirteen and three again. Like this is not a, a proven right. team on either side of the ball. Right. I think that they're going to regress a little bit, and I think it's a lot of because of what you were saying. I think this team is closer than a lot of people think to a rebuilding team than it is like a like a like a new budding dynasty. And I think that's because of the things that you talked about. You got a lot of veteran players, especially on that defense. That oh boy. In two years, maybe even one year, this defense might look a lot different. They're going to keep Aaron Donnelly. He's going to be there forever. He's going to be their cornerstone. But, I mean, like the guys that you were listing off, Marcus Peters, Eric Weddle, Akeem Tlaib, how much longer do they have impact years in them? Uh, You just look at their linebackers, Corey Litton, Micah Kaiser, Clay Matthews is an outside linebacker. Dante Fowler is another guy that you were mentioning. I mean, you could easily move on and have different identities from almost all of those guys that I just named over the next two years. And then bringing it over to the offensive line with it being such an important part of what they were doing. If they don't upkeep that the way that they need to, I'm with you. Jared Goff goes from being a guy that people clamored as an MVP candidate early on in the year to a guy that just looks rattled. And I'm sure experience will help that with a decent amount, but I don't think Jared Goff's ever going to be a guy who can truly like overcome a run game, like a lack of a run game. Like if your offensive line isn't doing what they need to do, you're going to suffer a lot in the run game. They have a fantastic one in Todd Gurley behind them, but we kind of heard this off season that Todd Gurley's, I, I don't know, is medical condition or whatever is, is weird or, or almost like a ticking time bomb at least that maybe he doesn't have as long in his prime as we nearly thought that he was going to have. And so I think that a lot of things around this roster, it's still good right now. This is, I think the Los Angeles Rams are still going to be a team that makes the playoffs in 2019. But in terms of what the future might be after that, I think it looks decently dicey for this team in a lot of different areas. This is not a, a brand new dynasty. I think that they went all in on a playoff window of about three years. I think last year was one and this year's two. We might get a third next year and then holy cow, you might start having some serious turnover from this from this roster unless they start doing some really different things in, in drafting of, of where they're putting their draft capital at. So I think they're a playoff team, but certainly do not think that Sean McVay is going to get the unheralded praise that he got the year before. Uh, the Golden Boy has been overrated since he stole the 2017 Coach of the Year from Doug Peterson. But yes, yes, you had to bring that in. All right, give me a rookie before we get out of here. People are psyched about Daryl Henderson. I would really recommend not like tapping the brakes on that, but just I don't, I'm, I'm not sold that Henderson's is as important of a player for this team as 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 it's, as has been advertised uh the player that i'm really most interested in is taylor rap because when i obviously like you have nickel roby coleman that's a guy that you want to get on the field uh he's a great nickel that's going to be your five defensive back set with peters with weddle with talib with nickel roby coleman and then john johnson plays a lot of linebacker for him and accordingly 
I think Rapp's going to get on the field in big dime packages a, a significant clip uh, of the snaps. I don't think it's going to be a small number. And Rapp, you're going to be protected from playing single high because Weddle's there. So now we're playing deep half coverage. We're playing rat and hole coverage. Rap is a tremendous tackler coming into the boundary. He's going to be great flexing over bunch sets, flexing over you know uh, uh, big tight ends who move out into the slot over just the number three in any sort of trips or tray set. And then it's a question of where the ball skills. Are we going to be able to generate some big turnover plays? But I just see, like in terms of like getting snap counts, Bobby Evans, David Edwards, Greg Gaines, I don't see a lot for them. I see a fair amount of snap for Taylor Rapp. I could go with my boy Matt Colburn. But oh, wow. I don't exactly think that he's really going to get <laughs> a bunch of running back play in this running back room. So I don't really think that's going to happen. But I do think, you know, you noticed, you said there, maybe this year with David Edwards or Bobby Evans, you certainly don't want guys to get hurt ahead of him. But we know it's tough playing offensive line. There are a lot of injuries that happen. These guys have a chance to potentially if something like that happens be solidified in positions that as i was talking about be it being a big transition time for los angeles potentially coming up in the next couple of years if they put their name in the hat and they do pretty well in their rookie year if they get used to things pretty easily they can solidify from themselves a couple of starting spots because i think that there's a potential for a lot of different changes in los angeles along the offensive line could certainly be one of them and they're gonna like you said this offensive line is important man they're not gonna be stubborn about it they're gonna let the best offensive lineman play and so i'm really interested to see i'm kind of cheating here because i'm picking both of them but what might be happening beyond that first string as we see it right now on that depth chart, those are two rookie guys who might have a chance to make a name for themselves in this rookie year early on if they start playing well. So those might be those would be my two guys. We did a long pod again. I know, we did. It was another 40-minute pod. Too bad! Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Sorry, we're so good at this. Yeah, we just Ben and I just like to talk a lot. Shocker, I know. Two guys who have a podcast like to talk. Weird. Four more teams down. That's eight. If you guys are any good at math, we got eight more this week before we get to Fan Friday. Not telling you guys what division that we're going with tomorrow. You're going to have to tune in and or read the headline, but then still tune in after you read the headline. We're going to keep it interesting, though. We're running through every, we're eventually going to get through every single division in the NFL before we get to the week zero kickoff between Florida and Miami. And then we're going to transition into more of a, what you would call a quote unquote regular season podcast schedule with some, re- some fun reoccurring segments that we're going to have here and there. Really looking forward to it. So until all of that, you keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.